Shelly Luther will spend the next week in jail. Now the judge. One salon owner in North Texas. Well, she learned that the hard way. And a hair salon owner who had also opened up her store has been jailed. Luther tore up the citation to the cheer of the crowd. But in Dallas, salon, salon owner Shelly Luther faced seven days in jail for So your client is in jail right now? But yesterday, a woman by the name, and I want you to remember this name, a woman by the name of Shelly Luther in Texas. We don't support the random jailing of, for example, the woman who's now a household name, Shelly Luther. I thought it was terrible. I thought he was a terrible judge. The, the prisoner would like to speak a word. You need to apologize. What were you thinking when he said he, you need to apologize to the politicians? I was like, what? So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not going to shut the salons. They're putting this woman in jail because she's trying to feed her kids. The whole thing is screwed up. Well, I'm, I'm proud to stand with Shelley Luther, and I'll tell you what happened to her was wrong. Yeah! I'm not anyone special. I just know that I have rights. You have rights to feed your children and make income. Right! And anyone that wants to take away those rights is wrong. We only had people in Washington, D.C. who had half the guts of this patriot play Shelley Luther. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Courage to Stand. I'm Shelley Luther here with you with another great guest. Um, but first, I wanted to talk to you guys about your comments. We're getting so much positive feedback. And uh, I would love to answer some of your questions that you're asking um, online. Um, and if you go to CourageToStand.com, and sign up at the email. You can actually email us and ask us questions. Not the creepy ones, though, because I'm not answering those. <laughs> For real, don't send creepy ones. But I will answer some of your questions online if you have them. And we can get in touch with the guests if you have more questions after that. So please feel free to talk to us, ask us questions. We want to be here for you as well. Thank you so much for watching. Today's guest, though, has the most amazing life story. And I want to introduce you to Mr. Ron Hall today. Hello. Thank you, Shelly. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it's kind of a gloomy day outside in Dallas. It's been raining for like two weeks straight. It is, but you know, it's beautiful here inside and you look beautiful oh, and I am, thank uh, you. I'm happy to be, I feel like I'm under all this sunshine. <laughs> you are, you are. Your life is, is full of sunshine, tears and sunshine, I must say. And I really just want you to explain to the viewers kind of how, um, the main, uh, I, I guess the main events that happened in your life that really changed you and made you who you are today. Mm -hmm. um, because I really feel like, you know, with me, I had something serious happened to me and, yes. and now I'm like a totally different person. And I think, <laughs> you know, we don't really have control of those things. Yes. And I followed your story very closely because oh. you were so brave. Oh, to, uh, thank you. And, uh, and you had the courage to stand, which is amazing. And, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> and I was really proud of you. And, and, you know, I have to say, you know, the name of our book, the name of our story uh, is same kind of different as me. Mm -hmm. And and I would have to say that you are the same kind of different as me. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, so. I want to talk more about what's in your book. You wrote this book. I did. All right. Same kind of different as me. And we'll show it more on the website um, so you can see it and know where to get it. You guys will not want to miss this book. But let's talk about how mm -hmm. you got to this point. How I got to this point. Yes. Well, I was uh, 
a very successful art dealer after many years of buying and selling uh, masterpieces uh, by the most famous artists in the world, traveling the whole world. Uh, I thought to me, life was beautiful. Uh, I was, we had a beautiful family. We were living in a, in a wonderful new home. Everything was, uh, was great in life, except uh, after 18 years of marriage, it was getting a little bit stale. Mm -hmm. and uh, Which happens, which and you're happens, busy. Yes, and, and I traveled, and my wife was a stay-home mom, a very faithful, wonderful community activist. All She did everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, uh, was making a lot of money and, and became really full of myself and thought I would reward myself uh, with uh, an affair. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you can tell, those things never work out very well. No. And so one day I come home. Uh, I have a, I'm at a meeting with my lawyer, and uh, he was telling me the, the same thing, that he was about to get a divorce and his wife, uh, we, we were having similar problems. And, um, and I said, well, I've never told anybody this, but I'm doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, he went home and told his wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so yeah, when you this, tell somebody something, it's never a well, secret. Well, you tell it to your lawyer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't, say, he didn't well, think that I was guess confident. He thought since we were friends, maybe this wasn't really legal business. This was personal business. But he went home and told his wife. His wife called me and she said, oh, you rotten so-and-so. If you don't tell Debbie, I am. You saw that in the movie, right? I did. I did. All right. And so uh, she did. She came home and, uh, and she told me uh, that uh, uh, I told her that and after the, the blow up, you know. You were basically forced to tell your wife what was going on. I was on. forced to tell my wife and uh, she was not happy. It was a very, she was very angry. But, uh, you know, she went back to her room, cooled off a little bit. And uh, she came out and she said, I want to know who is she? And I said, I got my cell phone out. I said, here she is. This is her right mm -hmm. here. And she said, I want to talk to her. Mm -hmm. I said, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I started to say. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I started to say. Phone, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> so she, I, the number was there on the screen. So she pushed the number and she said, hello, I'm Ron Hall's wife. And uh, hold on, please don't hang up. But uh, I just want you to know that I forgive you for what you have done with my husband. She's a better woman than me. I'm just going to well, let you know. <laughs> and she said, if I had been the wife that he needed, he would not have ever done that. Hmm. So I hope that you find somebody that will make you as happy as Ron has made me for these 18 years. And that if I do my job as a wife, I don't think you'll ever hear from my husband again. And she hung up the uh, phone and she said, it's your choice. You can choose her or you can choose me. I'm telling you, she's a better woman than me. Right. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I mean, come to find out, your your wife, yeah. Debbie, she's pretty amazing. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's a pretty <laughs> unique, caring individual, and definitely not the type that um, you walk all over. She was definitely in control of the situation. She was, she was. Um, even though maybe you didn't know that at the time. Well, <laughs> she told me. Well, <clears throat> she said, you know, here's the here's the deal. If you choose me. I will forgive you and I will never bring this up as long as we live if you will never do this again. And I said, well, that's a very, a deal that I can't refuse. Mm -hmm. 
and um, because that just never happens. Right. So, um, but she said, I will, I will throw your sin as far as the East is from the West and never bring it up again. And I said, okay, for that, I will do anything that you ask me the rest of our lives together. Mm -hmm. Now, she said, well, the only thing I really want you to do is continue to be a good father and, and, but be faithful. Right. And I said, I will. So uh, Wait, I have to ask, did you ever talk to the other woman again afterwards? I did. Uh, after Debbie died, okay. she called me and said, I've kept up with you. I read about Debbie's death. She, you know, she lived in California. Uh -huh. So okay. it was, uh, and we lived in Texas. So um, fast forward 10 years later, she had never asked me to do anything except be faithful. Mm -hmm. And then one morning she awakens me uh, kind of abruptly because she usually let me sleep. She was always up early doing her uh, morning devotionals and things like that, mm -hmm. and bringing me coffee in bed and, <laughs> so, and waking me up. So, but she woke me up. She said, Ron, I had the most amazing dream last night. She said it was so incredible. I saw the face of a poor man who's wise. He's a homeless man. And she said it was like the verse in, in Ecclesiastes where Solomon wrote, there was found in the city a certain poor man who was wise. And by his wisdom, the city was changed and lives were changed, yet no one knew his name. Mm -hmm. And she said, would you please go with me into the inner city of Fort Worth and search for this man? Because I believe it, if my dream is from God. And if it really is, he has something important for us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you I thought she was, wasn't crazy. No, you, you know how faithful she is yeah. to God. Yeah. Um, and at this point, she kind of had you where she wanted you and you were going to, yeah. You were trying to please her at this point still. That's true. And, and we had, I had recently begun to slow down in my art world and art business and had become, uh, had a new passion for ranching. And I had become a cowboy and a team roper and was doing these oh, wow. things. So I was going to the ranch most days and not going to my art gallery in Dallas. And so um, that day we got in the car and began driving through the inner city of Fort Worth, driving around. In your very slowly. expensive car. Well, <laughs> in the, in, in the, you know yes, what I mean? Like, yes, 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 yes. And people you stood looked out. at me like I was trying to buy drugs or something. Right. They were coming up. You want some drugs? What do you want? You know, or then other people thought I was the CIA coming to look from them right. for, for them. Maybe. You looked out of place for sure. I did look out of mm -hmm. place and Debbie did too, but we, uh, we drove around very slowly and, uh, and finally, we didn't see the man of her dreams. So she said, hey, there's a homeless shelter over here. Let's go begin volunteering. Because if he is in this area where all the homeless live, he's got to go. There. Eventually, he will show up for a free meal. So we began serving uh, an evening meal at the Fort Worth Union. You were Gospel very reluctant. At well, I was because, you know, I didn't mind writing a check for something, but I didn't want to get my hands dirty. dirty. Yeah. And in fact, you physically saw, dirty. You saw in the film when I walked in, that was very true. The guys was Chef Jim and he greeted us like we were old friends. And uh, and he uh, and, and but the only thing I could think of, I first question I asked him, are there any infectious diseases <laughs> floating around this place that I should know about? As if there weren't all, all over the place that you've yes, been. <laughs> of course, they, they were. They were. 
And he said, oh, absolutely. He said, we try to infect them all with love. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you smart Alec, why are yeah. you saying that to me? Yeah, but put on a name great friend. He became a great friend <laughs> and as we began serving there on a daily basis. And uh, we'd been there about two weeks getting ready to serve an evening meal when all of a sudden this giant looking man with uh, no shirt and no shoes and just some raggedy old unzipped khakis uh, stormed into the dining room, uh, not coming out of the uh, chapel. Most men were coming out of the chapel. Mm -hmm. He was coming out of a side door mm -hmm. and he started screaming, I'm gonna kill whoever done it. I'm gonna kill whoever stole my shoes. And he started overturning tables and breaking glass. It was just, it was destroying. It was mass pandemonium in the dining hall. I've never been so scared in my life. Mm -hmm. So I fell to my knees, not in prayer, just hiding. Yes. And I was behind this, uh, you know, if, if you've served before behind a big stainless mm -hmm. steel counter, there's, there's holes there where you stick pots and pans. So I stick my head in one of those holes because uh, in high school, I had taken a knockout punch in the nose and yeah, you're the done golden with that. gloves. I was done with <laughs> knockout punches in the nose. And I could feel it moving yeah. my way. And uh, so uh, all of a sudden, I have my head in there and I'm hiding down trying to, because I thought he might kill everybody in the room. Right. He, he was that you don't know. crazy. He, well, yeah. he was that crazy. And he was huge. And he was, I thought he was on something. But uh, I'd been down there a few seconds. I could still hear the pandemonium going on, but I wondered, I wonder what happened to Debbie. Yeah, I started to say, yeah. you were worried about yourself. <laughs> I was, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I look up and she's all excited. She's jumping up and down like a cheerleader on the sideline of a football game. And she's saying, that's him, that's him. And I said, that's who? She said, the man in my dream. I said, which one? Because by then there were about 15 or 20 guys in a, in a big fight. It, was, uh, it had all broken out into pandemonium. And I said, which one? And she said, the one who threatened to kill everybody. Of course it is. <laughs> was the one that was in my dream. And she said, and she looked down at me on my knees and she said, and Ron, I believe I heard from God that you have to be his friend and find out if my dream is really from God. And I shot a look back at her. I said, but Debbie, I was not at that meeting you had with God. <laughs> and if I'm going to be friends with someone who wants to kill everybody, I should go talk to God myself. Right. And so that night I did have a little conversation with God and I and uh, though I didn't hear an audible voice, I know that he said, being friends with a homeless man is a small price to pay for the forgiveness that Debbie and I have shown you. Wow. And so for Debbie and for God, the next day at her insistence, I began a five month, almost daily pursuit of this man of her dreams. Mm -hmm. so. And he was very reluctant, of course, obviously had lived a very hard life was not going to let anyone in. Right. And as we found out, not going to let a white man yes. in. Yes. That was a big part of the story. Big part of the story. Um, and come to find out, his past was horrific. Well, it was horrific. And he had been on the streets at that point for 25 years and no one knew his name. Mm -hmm. They called him suicide because messing with him was the equivalent of committing suicide. Wow. Uh, some people called him the lion of the jungle because said, you don't mess with the lion of the jungle. He'll hurt you, he's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, he lived by a dumpster near the mission and the, the dumpster had his back and uh, his front was all, if you came at him, you know, you paid the price. So. Wow. And uh, he, was, uh, he was amazing uh, uh, that he had survived 25 years on the street and people hadn't killed him when he was asleep, but he was, 
he was always aware of something. He was a, a, a totally crazy man. He had been in prison, Angola State Penitentiary in Louisiana for 10 years. Uh, he had been homeless. Uh, well, uh, let's, let's fast forward. Five months later, I get him in my car. And we're going to breakfast one morning, and uh, this is all miraculous how this came about. And, of course, we tell it in our book, The Same Kind of Different as Me. Uh, we tell it in our film. But uh, we're at breakfast one morning, and I said, I know your name is not suicide, so you'd mind telling me your name. And he kind of barked at me like, I don't tell nobody my name. He said, ain't nobody business what my name is. And I said, well, in case you're interested, my name is Ron, Ron mm -hmm. Hall. So he thought about it a second. He said, okay, Denver, name's Denver. I said, oh, good, Denver, nice to meet you. And he said, can you do me a favor? And I said, what is that? And uh, he said, can you tell your woman to stop bothering me? <laughs> he said, I ain't had no peace in my life since that skinny little lady showed up on the streets of Fort Worth. <laughs> And I said, no, I, I really can't. You're like, I'm really, no, I you, you don't understand. Well, he first of all, he said, can you get control of your woman? Yeah, I no, said, no, 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 I can't. no. So uh, anyway, uh, he said, what is it you want from me? Man, you're driving me crazy. Y'all keep chasing me everywhere I look up. Y'all chasing me. Mm -hmm. And he would go hide in the bushes or in the mm -hmm. hobo jungles. And He thought you were like the CIA or something. He did. Like, he yeah. did think we were the CIA because, you know, he had a lot of warrants for his arrest yeah. a lot as I went later in the story as I took him as we became friends and took him to get a driver's license uh, we walked into the DPS department and, and they put his name in the computer and it started smoking you know? <laughs> <laughs> and the lady looked at me and she said I'm going to give you a chance to leave I know you're a nice man trying to do a favor to this guy but you guys need to leave here right now oh, because uh, that's good. They, they, you will be arrested yeah. so. <laughs> well it turns out to be a really great story, and uh, come to find out, it was such a great story, you had to write about it, right? And then it also became a movie. Right. A major motion picture. It did. Paramount. Mm -hmm. This is the greatest story. You guys will not want to miss what happens with this. We'll be right back. The following are sponsors for today's show. If you'd like to become a sponsor, please visit us at CourageToStand.com. Amy Autry authors customized health insurance options. She's licensed and appointed with multiple health insurance and health share companies, so she can review all your health insurance needs, advise, enroll, and support you ongoing with your policy. Amy has over six years of experience as a health insurance broker to save you time and money in shopping and enrolling in a customized health plan that fits your needs and budget. Her services are free, so give her a call at 817-809-4409. That's Amy Autry at 817-809-4409. Looking to buy or sell real estate in North Texas? The Neal team with Better Homes and Gardens Winans specialize in residential and farm and ranch properties. Call our friends, Donnie and Darla at 903-744-5475 or email neal at winansbhg.com. Just one call, and as Donnie says, the pretty blonde and the ugly cowboy can put the power of two to work for you. Your journey starts here. Again, Donnie and Darla Neal at 903-744-5475. 
Jarrah Hutchins owns Clearing the Chamber, a female-owned firearms and self-defense training company that specializes in teaching women, youth, and families how to stay safe. We have a class for everything, including intro to handgun, time management for the gun owner, how to talk to your kids about firearms, license to carry, and how to protect what you're expecting, a class for new and expecting mothers. We have all five-star reviews on Facebook and respond quickly to your questions. Give us a call at 469-665-9333 or email clearingthechamber at gmail.com and schedule your free consultation. Again, that consultation is free. Just give us a call at 469-665-9333. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Courage to Stand. I'm sitting here with my guest, Ron Hall, the author of Same Kind of Different as Me. That is now a major motion picture that you guys can see. I watched it last night and I was a hot mess. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know, like I know like my eyes are red today. I am tired, but I, I was crying through this whole movie. It was so good. Um, so we need to talk more about what happens and then we'll okay. tell everybody how they can watch this because, I mean, it has Renee Zellweger that plays your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want Jaimon. Jaimon Hansu. Hansu. Yes, he's been nominated for two Academy Awards. People know him for Blood Diamond, from Gladiator, uh, from many, many things. He is one of the busiest actors in Hollywood. He's so good in the movie. And of course, Greg Kinnear played me and my one of my all-time favorite guys, actors, John Voight, played my father. And he was he was great. And that's a, that's a whole nother story in itself. That, that you're a really- whole <laughs> nother story. You I, can I, watch I, the re- movie to get a sense of that. Yes, I've written another book about that. I'm waiting to publish because we're also trying to do uh, maybe a TV series on the whole thing. Yes. So, so let's talk about dinner. <laughs> Or you're sitting, it was lunch or breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. It was breakfast. You were sitting with Denver. Very, I was and with he, Denver. after five months of pursuing his yes. friendship, you finally learn each other's names. Right. And uh, he does make a joke about uh, why do white people catch and release fish? Well, he didn't understand you know, it. First <laughs> it of all, like, this <laughs> is what, what happened was uh, he says, What is it you want from me? And I said, Hey, man, I just want to be your friend. But that was actually a lie. I didn't want to be his friend. Debbie wanted you to be Debbie his friend. Debbie wanted me to be his friend. Yes. And I was paying penance for uh, my sins to Debbie by being his friend or trying to be his friend. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me with this incredulous look and he said, you want to be my friend? Whew, man, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> and I thought, hey, buddy, you just looked a gift horse in the mouth. Right. You don't know who I am. And, uh, you know, I'm rich and you're poor and you are the man of my wife's dreams. So if you want it, if she wants, I'm handing it to you right now. You, you can have the keys to the car. You can have a, I get you an apartment, a house, clothes, anything that my wife wants you to have, you're going to have because you are the man of her dreams. And, uh, so I was just so arrogant. I thought, here is a man who has nothing to offer me, and yet he wants to think about being my friend. Right. That made you even more mad. Oh, dear. So <laughs> a few days later, I go to visit him like I did almost on a daily basis, and he's by his dumpster that morning. And, uh, and uh, well, and I said, you want to go get some coffee? And he said, yeah. So we go get in our uh, car, and we go to Starbucks. We're sitting on the sidewalk at Starbucks. And he said, I've been thinking a lot about what you asked me. I said, what did I ask you that required any thought? He said, well, you asked me if I'd be your friend. I said, I sure did. So what do you think about that? He said, now, tell you the truth. There's something I heard about white folks that really bothers me, and it's got to do with fishing. 
I said, well, Denver, I'm a cowboy and an art dealer, but I don't know anything about fishing. I don't even own a tackle box. He said, but I bet you can answer this, this uh, question. I said, okay, so ask. He said, okay. He said, I heard when white folks go fishing, they do this thing they call catch and release. I said, well, of course they do, Denver. It's a sport. You don't get it? He said, no, sir, I don't get it. Because back on the plantation where I grew up in Louisiana, We'd go out in the morning, we'd cut us a cane pole and dig us a can full of worms. And when we finally got something on our line, we would be proud of it and we'd take it back and share it with all the folk. Mm -hmm. So he said, it occurred to me, if you're just a white man fishing for a friend and you're going to catch and release, I ain't got no desire to be your friend. Not interested. He thought, like, if you want to use me. That's right. right. But he said, but if you're fishing for a real friend, I'll be your friend for life. And I thought, oh my goodness. My mind flashed back to Debbie's dream of a poor man who was wise because what he spoke to me at that moment was the wisest thing I'd ever heard on friendship. And I said, okay, Denver, uh, if you'll be my friend. This was at the moment that our life changed. You had that moment in your life Mm -hmm. when your life changed just on a minute. Mind is the same way. I thought, if I say this, This is really going to alter the course of my life. This is going to repaint the picture of my life and rewrite my life story. It's all at this moment right now. Mm -hmm. Because if I tell him this, I have to stick to it. You do. He's holding you accountable. So uh, I said, okay, I'll be your friend. So um, he said, then you got a friend for life. And I said, you do too. Wow. So the next morning I go visit him at his dumpster. And I take a seat on the curb next to this stinking dumpster on a dangerous inner city street of Lancaster Avenue in in Fort Worth. And I sit next to him and he's scary looking and he he smells like sardines. And uh, it just, it was like, oh man, what did I get myself into? (laughs) And I start trying to, to look at him. He's just staring at me. He's not saying a word. And so I thought, well, maybe uh, I should say something to him. (laughs) So I said, What's it like to be homeless? Oh, gosh. And he looked at me. He said, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Oh, I said, but Denver, I've never been homeless. I said, I live in a very nice home. He said, let me tell you something, Mr. Ron. Whether we is rich or whether we's poor or something in between, this earth ain't no final resting place. So in a way, we all homeless just working our way home. That's the this title one. of my new book that tells the rest of the story. Which I cannot (laughs) wait to read this. So this is the story of how you met um, and and how, you know, this story went through as for how you met and how that came about. This is afterward. And like, because when you watch the movie, because when you watch the movie, I watched it last night, like I said, it was a hot mess. You're left with wanting more, like, yeah. no, what happened afterward? Did you stay friends with him and all of that stuff? So I'm so glad to see this yeah. this morning when you came in. I cannot wait to read this. <laughs> and I hope you do make a movie out of this one, too, or something. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's, yeah. I'm so excited to watch this. So well, what so happened? That, though that, that, when he said, you're all home, we're all homeless, are working our way home, I thought, this is a wise man. That's, that's wisdom that's coming from him. And then he looked at me and he said, is you one of them Christians and thinking briefly, he might have seen a halo over my head. I looked around, <laughs> and I did not see a halo uh, for good reason. <laughs> 
And uh, I said, yes, why do you think I'm down here helping? He said, helping? You think by putting some spaghetti on a plate or giving a man a dollar bill, you helping him? He said, no, you blessing us, but you ain't helping us. If you want to help us, you got to crawl down in the ditch with us. And when we're strong enough to crawl out on your back, then you helped us. But other than that, don't be telling people you're down here helping nobody because you ain't helping nobody but yourself feel better about yourself because you probably ain't done nothing for nobody but yourself in a long time. Wow. So, uh, and he said, but that ain't what I want to talk to you about, you Christians. And I said, well, what do you want to know about us Christians? He said, well, we want to know, all of us folks on the street want to know, why is it that all you Christians worship one homeless man on Sunday then Turn your back on the first one you see on Monday. Oh. He said, Mr. Ron, you never know whose eyes God is watching you out of. And it ain't going to be your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. He said, it might be a fellow look like me. He said, that ain't me. But it might be a fellow look like me. God checking you out to see what kind of person you really are. He said, you know, when y'all look at us, y'all see us as a problem. But when God sees us through his eyes, he sees us as an opportunity for the faithful to show his love. Wow. And I thought, wow, what have I gotten myself into? This is the wisest man. The wisest man. And at man. that moment, I said, okay, this is someplace I need to be and a person I need to hear from. So I affectionately say on that morning, I enrolled in the University of Denver. Yeah. <laughs> and his classroom was a stinking dumpster, dumpster on an inner city curb. And he was the wisest man I ever met. Wow. And a few months into our friendship of sitting daily on that curb, uh, soaking in his wisdom, so beautiful. Uh, he told me one day, he said, Mr. Ron, what Miss Debbie is doing for the homeless, she's, she's become uh, precious to God. He said, when you become precious to God, you become important to Satan. He said, watch your backside, something bad getting ready to happen. Wow. Three days later, she was diagnosed with cancer. The healthiest woman I've ever known. Out of nowhere, she was diagnosed with cancer. The doctors said that she might live six months. Some doctors, the most optimistic, said a year. Well, the good news is she lived 19 months. And during that 19 months, the man that I once thought had nothing to offer me in a friendship was the person that God chose to be the greatest encouragement to us through the darkest days of our lives. And every morning he would show up on our front door or the hospital, wherever Debbie was, and he would bring us a fresh uh, word of encouragement he did glean from hours on his knees staying up all night long by his dumpster praying for praying our for family her. and for mm -hmm. debbie and on the final day of her life he came to say i've talked to god last night and he wanted me to bring a message to miss debbie so he went into her bedroom and the man uh, and, and he told her he said uh, miss debbie i was talking to god last night and he told me that the only reason you've been holding on so long is because you don't know who's going to take <clears throat> care of God's people. Well, she called the homeless God's people. And he said, but God told me to tell Miss Debbie to lay down her torch in Denver. You pick it up and carry it for her for the rest of your life. He said, so that's what I'm going to do. And uh, did he did he say that at her at her funeral? Did yes, he? he did. Mm. He did. And uh, so uh, and then the man who we didn't go in this earlier, but he had as a teenager, he had been roped and dragged by the Ku Klux Klan for helping a woman, a white woman, change a flat tire on the plantation in Louisiana. And the Klan made him never, promised to never again speak to a white woman. And so, but he kneeled beside her bed, gave her a kiss on the forehead and said, I'll see you on the other side. And her final words to me were, Ron, please don't give up on Denver. God is going to bless your friendship in a way you can never imagine. 
And three days later, uh, he preached her funeral. And he told the crowd, he said, I was a bad man on the streets for 25 years. He said, I was full of hell. And he said, but Miss Debbie, she kept blessing me and blessing me and never gave up on me. And she kept blessing me until she finally just blessed the hell right out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally blessed the hell out of you. Yes. Oh, man. And uh, so, and she asked him to share another dream she had for a beautiful new homeless mission in Fort Worth. And uh, so he, he told uh, the crowd and, and shared that dream. And when he got through uh, sharing, uh, he got a standing ovation from more than a thousand people at a funeral. At a funeral. He got a standing ovation, something I've never seen before. And I don't doubt if I'll ever see it again. But uh, well, here's the thing, too. You never thought, you know, years before that you would have a homeless man speaking at your wife's funeral. That's true. That's it was. It's a lot. And uh, so uh, after after uh, he spoke, he got a standing ovation. And by noon the next day, more than five hundred thousand dollars came in as seed money to build this. Now, this 20 years later. More than $50 million has poured into that mission. And now the finest homeless mission in all of America is in downtown Fort Worth, Fort Worth Union Gospel Mission. And it is, uh, it's, it's the most comprehensive uh, rehabilitation uh, program for uh, homeless all, anywhere in America. There's I love that you like call it. it a program. It's not just, let me give you a meal and we'll be done with you. You're no, really trying is, to get these people on their feet. about changing lives and putting and making them productive again and giving them confidence. And so, um, but that's, that's the, uh, Debbie would be so proud. Yes, she would. And the, and the, the, uh, chapel there is named, uh, after her. But uh, Denver, and I, Denver moved in with me, and then he and I traveled all across America, and we've helped raise more than $110 million for the homeless all across America. That is amazing. Yeah. Thank you for doing, I mean, I, I don't even know, like, now y'all can see why I was such a hot mess watching this movie last night, and just our small discussion does not even come close to describing what happened and how this completely changed your life. Um, it's almost like God was preparing Yes. You through Debbie. He knew Debbie wasn't going to be around. He 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 wanted to make sure that you yes. changed your ways a little bit. Yes. And you can in this book, you will find out how he Denver became not only a millionaire, but he became the number one New York Times bestselling author. The first in the history of the New York Times bestselling list that did not know how to read and write when he wrote his book. <laughs> this is so amazing. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2012 because I would have yeah. loved to, yes. to meet him. He is seems like an amazing well, you can man. Watch him on YouTube. Some of his talks he, he got in the end. Uh, he, he became an artist. Uh, he painted over 500 paintings. He sold them all. Uh, he was honored uh, by the Bush family at the White House. And as we were leaving the White House that day, he, said, he started laughing. And I said, Mr. I said, what is so funny, Denver? He's a Mr. Ron. Just think about this. I done gone from living in the bushes to eating with the bushes. He said, God bless America. This is a great country. Oh, my gosh. That is so awesome. Yeah. You guys. Well, on that note, how do um, are these on Amazon or where can Everywhere, people buy these anywhere, books? Anywhere, anywhere, yeah. um, and we will list them, of course, on our website, courage to stand.com and all of our social media. Mr. Ron Hall, it Thanks. is such a pleasure meeting you. And your story is truly inspiring. I, I it. Um, you, it's not a handout. It's definitely an opportunity for him to show what a great person 
he was. Yes. So thank you so much for what you're doing. We'll put more um, where you can reach out and because Ron's not just doing this. There's you're full of uh, all of these things <laughs> yeah. that you're doing right now. We yeah. want to make sure that well, people we get to see this. That's the Ron Hall show. The Ron Hall show. Yeah. Um, you're thinking of making this maybe a series. A um, TV series, yes. Um, a Broadway play. We have Broadway a play, which is right up mine and Tim's alley because yeah. we're we are musicians. So go check these out. Read this book before you watch the movie and you'll be a hot mess like I was, but it's a great hot mess. It's a great story. Great for kids. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for watching. Make sure you share this story because we need more stories like this going around. Um, we need happy. happy we need yes. happy. Thank you, Mr. Hall, for coming. I appreciate thank you, it. Shelley. You bet. Bye, -bye. Bye you guys. Thank you.